This week on Out Now with Internet, we are talking West Side Story. When you're a podcast, you're a podcast. Yes, you are. And a podcast you do. And a podcast you sing. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! That was me going uh, sing-song voice. Okay. <laughs> that was a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies via most spoiler for review with the occasional commentary track or some other fun movie topic. This is episode 479, 479. Not bad. It's a good number. It's a, it's a nice, it's a nice yeah. round number. Uh, and this week, we're talking West Side Story, the... The, the newest film from Steven Spielberg and an update of West Side Story. And uh, joining us to do such thing we have from Slash Film and the 21st Century Spielberg podcast. He said, okay, no rumpus, no tricks, but just in case they jump him, he's ready to mix tonight. <laughs> it's Chris Evangelista. Wow. I, wow. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to follow that up. But yes, that's me. Hello. Chris, that was amazing. I know. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Wow. Ooh, we got to get you as a writer more often. <laughs> Chris, uh, glad, glad to have you on the podcast for the first time. I always have, I have to have new guests on here. Um, how, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm fine. You know, it's Sunday. I don't know when this is going to air. It's Sunday right now when we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> well good <laughs> good that you're fine and yes it's it's you know we make do on these sundays yeah. like we have uh, the world is still spinning so far i don't know the news gets crazy every now and then um but uh, no chris glad, glad to have you here like i said uh as i mentioned you you are the creator of the 21st century spielberg pocket you want to explain what that is to our listeners uh, sure. So uh, I feel like this has gotten better over time, and I'm not claiming it's because of my podcast, but we can pretend it is if, if everyone wants to go along with it. <laughs> but there was, a, there was a period where I was constantly seeing people on the internet uh, saying things like, oh, I, I wish Steven Spielberg would make movies like he used to. And what they were applying were, you know, like the old, the old blockbusters that he made mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of his career and up through the 90s. And that really bugged me because I honestly think Spielberg's 21st century work, you know, starting with um, AI and working all the way up to here to West Side Story, mm -hmm. uh, is is some of his most interesting, most challenging work. Um, you know, he's gotten to a place where he has nothing more to prove. He doesn't need to, you know, uh, prove anything, and he's he's taken that and allowed himself to to stretch himself in ways that. The beginning of his career uh, wasn't really there, and you know, to be clear, I'm not knocking the earlier films. You know, mm -hmm. I love I love all Spielberg work, but I I've been particularly thrilled with his 21st century output, and I do feel like uh, over time, more and more people have have come to see the light, as it were, and be like, oh, you know, there's there's a lot more going on here than we've been giving him credit for. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's the uh, the basis of, of the podcast. I'll do you one better. Munich to me is top three Spielberg. I absolutely adore Munich. Um, yeah, and yeah, that's that's one of his his very best films. Absolutely. And Abe and I, we've been doing this podcast since 2011, so we've talked about a number of Spielberg films on here. We're pretty big fans of the movies he's released in yeah. that amount of time. Yeah. Like, Abe and I stick up for War Horse. Exa that's the first one I was going to exactly go to. right. We always go to War Horse. Uh, Tintin is a favorite of ours. Like we love Tintin. Yeah. Lincoln, 
we, you know, we, we, we had fun with the BFG, like Spielberg, he's been, he's been knocking out some, some great movies. And you know what? Aaron loves that guy in that hat on that bridge. I, he wears Mark Ravens. He wears that hat. So I mean, like, won an that? Academy Award for wearing that hat. What's that? Yeah. Sp- St- St- Stallone wore that hat too. Not as well though. It's, you know, <laughs> that, that's what the problem was. He was 30 years hat. too early. We've boiled Spielberg down to Mark Rylance wears a really good hat. So that's, <laughs> that's what we got here. Uh, but no, I, I, that's I great, do that's find... a great premise for a podcast. <laughs> the idea of Mark Rylance wearing a no, hat? No, no, no. Chris's Chris Chris uh, podcast. Oh, you're going back to the thing Spielberg. we were talking about. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> looping it back. But but no, Chris, I I, I have found the the podcast interesting as well as the you know the lengthy write ups that you put together for um, a number of the films. Um, on a on a on slash film yeah. uh, so i i thought it'd be interesting to talk to you today about a uh, west side story because it's been a movie that I, I know i've been highly anticipating i'm sure you have too being the spielberg fan that you are um, but that is what we're going to discuss all that and more coming up soon but first let's get to some quick uh, show notes here mm-hmm. uh, first up a new commentary track every month we do a commentary and this month in honor of the upcoming matrix resurrection we <laughs> we talked about um, uh, the matrix reloaded uh, the, somehow the final Matrix film that we have not discussed since we for whatever reason discussed Revolutions many years ago and then the first Matrix and now we finally did the sequel uh, so that was a lot of fun uh, friends of the show Brandon Peters, Scott Middleson and Peter Paris all joined us for that and that was uh, very enjoyable to do uh, given that I am a huge fan of Reloaded uh, and you can find that episode as well as all of our episodes on iTunes uh, where you can search for our show Out Now with Aaron and Abe and you can give us a rating and review also which would be wonderful thank you so much in advance pop us up in the old itunes charts uh, okay i think that's it for show notes for now so let's move on now let's get to some out now quickies trademark each week now we quickies tm it was fast it was good yeah i moved i moved on that one mm-hmm. uh chris let's start with you what other movies have you seen recently Ah, let's see. Let me open up my letterbox because I my mind is uh that's off. what I do. I'm getting <laughs> dig it getting getting older. I can't remember who I am or where <laughs> I'm going. Um I just watched uh actually last night I just watched uh Come On Come On, which is the new oh. um, mm-hmm. Mike Mills film with uh Joaquin Phoenix. And uh just uh delightful, just a delightful movie. Uh Made me cry my eyes out for the last, especially the the ending. I, I don't I won't give any spoilers, but uh, let's just say they come on, come on here, and it mm-hmm. uh, it all pays off in the end. And uh, no, this is a a very good movie. Um, uh, yeah, I I, I I really enjoyed it. I watched it uh, via a screener because it is screener season, and I have to. Uh, I'm slowly working my way playing catch up. I have a few more things to get to for uh, for end of the year catch up, and this was at the top of the list. And uh, uh, it was it was it was worth it. It's it's definitely uh, an excellent film. Mm-hmm. Are you a, are you an uncle? Uh, actually, I am an uncle, but it's like a I'm like an estranged uncle. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, uh, long story short, I have no interaction with any of my nieces or nephews. So so no, <laughs> I guess distance, really no. Yeah. For, in, for distance, in, yeah. Like you know, literally, I am an uncle. But yeah. in terms of. You know, do I see these people? Absolutely not. Yeah, got so. it, got it, got it. I was just curious if like the uncle energy gave off on the screen. You're like, ah, oh, I feel it. You know, I, I was actually, I was fairly close with one of my uncles when I was growing up and Joaquin Phoenix definitely has that, that, uh, I would say he's not really cool in the movie. It's more like interesting uncle energy going sure. on here. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he's not making you a giant pancake, but he's fun to be around. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are you uncle? I am an uncle. I have like tons of nieces and nephews. I, I like I knew the answer to that question, but I still wanted to ask it like I didn't. <laughs> One's a hippo. <laughs> no. Are you a fun uncle? I am the fun uncle. Yes. Uh, probably because I, you know, have money to blow. So whatever candy you want, <laughs> let's go get it. So we've uh, all seen Come On, Come On now at this point. That's nice. Everybody has, yeah. yeah, yeah. Trio of Come On, Come On uh, watchers. I really like those, uh, the kid, the, uh, the like the interviews, uh, the, the interstitial interviews with the kids. I think mm-hmm. those, uh, those are really, mainly because they're so candid. It, uh, it's effective. Do you think that they knew who Joaquin Phoenix was? He's the guy that shot Robert De Niro on live television. Oh, no. That's, that's what they say. That's what they call him. <laughs> Chris, any other movies you've seen recently? I also watched, this is also last night, so... I also watched there's a new documentary um, on HBO from director Penny Lane called Listening to Kenny G. And it's about Kenny G. And I don't know much about Kenny G. I know, you know, who he is. I know uh-huh. he's he's got this the smooth jazz thing going for him. And this was a really interesting documentary because uh, it provides some insight into Kenny G. And what I took away from the film, and I could be wrong here, and I mean no disrespect to Mr. G. But uh, <laughs> what, I, what I took away from the film here is Kenny G doesn't actually like music he just likes to play it really well like the the thrust of the documentary is him constantly talking about how he's just constantly practicing and there are multiple scenes where people will be like well what's some of your favorite music and he has like no answer he's just like uh mm, i don't know and and so yeah what i took away from the movie is kg just loves to be the best at what he does, but he doesn't actually care about music. And it's a very, it's kind of surreal because he's, you know, one of the best selling instrumental artists of all time. And, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's for, for lack of a better word, he is a legend. And, uh, but, you know, to watch this documentary, it's like, does he even like music? It's hard to tell. It's just that he's, he's like an obsessive guy who likes to be the best at everything. And they show him, doing other things too. Like he's really good at playing golf and stuff like this, but, (laughs) but music is the thing that, you know, he's gotten famous for. I love that. He's just like this ultra competitive guy. And he's like, you know what sector I'm going to go into smooth jazz. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the doc actually does a really good job explaining sort of how he, you know, became so, so uh, well-known, whereas, you know, other artists of his, his ilk, weren't and you know i mean i can't like, name you another smooth jazz artist so no no yeah. yeah and he was able to cross over to the pop charts and stuff like that so yeah, yeah that was an interesting documentary and you wow. know uh and kenny g is right there front and center talking about himself in uh in ways that i don't think he realizes makes him sound kind of insane he's, just he's like, like michael jordan yeah it's kind of like that where he's he's the michael jordan of slow jazz what? it's like the, it's I like the last dance now. basically yeah, yeah. That, that is yeah that's it, like yeah uh, he just wants to be the best yeah. And he doesn't really care what anyone thinks. I love this now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I know that's made by Ringer Films or produced by Ringer Films. <laughs> so it's a lot of like sports guys over there. And I am just thrilled now that like Kenny G is like a monster. And <laughs> all right, that's, that's, that's your takeaway that no, he's a monster. He's, he's great at his craft, but he's like, he will kill anybody in his way. <laughs> yeah. No offense to again, no offense to Mr. Kenny G. And yeah, for yeah, the record, yeah. he doesn't sound like a, a bad guy. He just seems like, you know, he, he's got his thing and he doesn't really care what anyone else thinks. Nor does yeah. should he, because he's, you know, he's the man. filthy rich. <laughs> I don't know about. what he sounds like. Kenny G on a comfortable chair and he 
describing things. And then Weird Al came along and also had curly long hair. And I took that personally. <laughs> yes, exactly. We've just created a new meme. Got to put sure, that up on Instagram. I bet he loved Whiplash. Probably. He's like, you know what? I really identify with that Jake. Not for the music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Abe, how about you? What have you seen recently? I watched the second and final half of Pen15. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a movie, but Pen15 finally released uh, its its season two rest of the episodes. Uh, I think the first half is stronger. Um, the last episode certainly is good. I know that uh, it's on Hulu. And so, Aaron, I don't know if you've ever caught up with Pen15. Probably one of the best shows of the decade. Um, and the other thing I also watched was um, Die Hard because it's the holiday season. And so I wanted to watch some Reginald Bell Johnson buy some Twinkies. It was dark. Yeah, the water going to look real enough. And you know what? If they make the new one, because I'm, isn't there talks of maybe an, another one? Or is that mm-hmm. Lethal Weapon? I think that's Lethal Weapon. Well, there, <laughs> there, there was the prequel Die Hard that was being floated around. Uh-huh. And, then, and then Disney... Uh, before John McClane became John McClane? Be- before... Before the film Die Hard, which is, serves as an establishment of John McClane, they was like, what if we had another thing that also established John McClane? Where he had a wonderful life with Holly? I don't understand what this is. Well, they were, they were going to make a young John McClane movie. And then uh-huh. the, and then Disney bought Fox. And also somebody said, this is a terrible idea. And <laughs> and uh, that got scrapped. I, I'm, I'm, sum- I'm, I'm summarizing that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but that's not a thing anymore. And yes, there is reports of... Mel Gibson being no, like, yeah, don't oh, worry I'm about gonna, that. I'm going to direct I, Lethal Weapon 5. And, uh, my comment I mean, was more that if they did have another um, Die Hard, I'd love to see more of Argyle, like wherever he is in life. Didn't you see the Die Hard battery commercial? Argyle's in it. He's dead now. They killed or not what? Argyle. They killed the other guy. They killed the uh, the guy in the sweater. Oh, okay. <laughs> the guy that Argyle knocked out at the end of that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> so I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Anyway, that's what I've been watching. What about you? Ar- I believe Argyle is also in that Die Hard battery commercial. <laughs> I would not be. I would. I, I'm. I welcome it because I love Argyle. He is truly a hero in that movie. He stops. Uh, I, I forget the actor's name, but basically Sundown from Top Gun, from yeah. exiting the yeah. exiting the the uh, the garage. Yeah, he also Tyler hangs from out that in one. the. He hangs out in the parking lot all night, like he or the garage. He could easily like you know go he's, home, but he's, he's yeah, he's he's eyes on the ground. Yeah, he's exactly. there. It's Christmas, and he's just like, I'll, I'll just hang out in this garage. I have yeah. nowhere else to be. Well, when, he does call his girlfriend at one point. Yeah, to to, to make sure she's safe. That's yes. that's what it is. That what a gentleman. <laughs> they say chivalry is dead. Look at Argyle. When when Vel Johnson is like, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I can't do the joke. Fuck is whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But he's like, he's tired. Yeah. He's talking about Argyle and uh, oh, John McClane. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he's a cop. Uh, I've seen a few things. Yeah. <laughs> Recently. I'll just kind of drive through these. Uh, I saw Encounter. This is on Amazon Prime with Riz Ahmed. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw The Unforgivable with Sandra Bullock, which is now on Netflix. It's not good. Uh, the um, The Novice. Um, this is with the the actress that played Orphan in Orphan. Uh, it's very good. It's oh. about competitive rowing, and it's actually very much like Whiplash. Actually, <laughs> come to think of it, in terms of perfection, trying to achieve perfection. Um, Swan Song with Mahershala Ali. It's coming to Apple soon. Yeah, it's I'm fine. Looking forward to it. Oh. That's, it's, it I, Mahershala Ali is very. Good. I mean, and you get two Mahershala Ali, so it, it's yeah. very good. Uh, as, as far as he goes, he's very good. Sorry, the movie's okay. 
Uh, I saw National Champions. Abe, I'm curious what you would think about this movie. National Champions? Guess yes. you say. It is a movie about college football uh, starring Stefan James as like a star quarterback who's probably going to be. Oh, I've seen this trailer. Yeah. Yeah. With J- and J.K. J- Speaking of whiplash, J.K. Simmons, he's the yeah. head coach. And Stefan James and Alexander Ludwig, he's like, they're, they're both like players on the team. Mm-hmm. They're like, what if we just boycott this championship game because we want to like argue for, you know, the, the rights of our of the fellow players that, you know, get used by the school system, but get, you know, nothing in return, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the movie's premise is more interesting than the movie ultimately is, but I do think the performances are very strong. Okay. Uh, Stefan James, J.K. Simmons, uh, Jeffrey Donovan, they're all, among others, are all pretty good in the film. Burn Notice is Jeffrey Donovan? You're Burt, that's right. Burt, <laughs> Burt, a show that everyone can clearly define the uh, summary of as far as what that show is. Burn Notice is Jeffrey Donovan. Hey, man, that, when that thing was on, it was one of the best shows on TV. It, it was certainly watched by a lot of people. <laughs> uh, I watched Escape from Mogadishu. This is Korea's submission for Academy Awards. It, wow. It's based on a real event where these Korean diplomats... Uh, both from South Korea and North Korea uh, were in uh, Mogadishu and rioting happened and they have to basically find a way to get out of Mogadishu, hence the title. Mm-hmm. Um, as a like a political thriller, it's fine, but as like an action chase movie, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I, dug, I dug what it was doing. Um, so it was, a, I don't know about you know giving it an Oscar, but I mean, in terms of like visceral thrills, like it did, it did the job. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. Watch The King's Man. Um, which is finally opening um, mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. I liked it more than the Golden Circle, um, less than the first one. Um, but it's not. It it removes like the high comedy aspect, like the the kind of the self aware like the self awareness of the other Kingsman movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a turn on or a turn off for Kingsman fans. Um, but as far if you want to see like Ray Fiennes and Jaimon Hansu get into like brutal fights and stuff, like it delivers on that. Mm-hmm. It feels more like Matthew Vaughn is like, I want to make a World War One spy thriller. How can I do that? What if I just attach it to Kingsman? Okay, there we go. And that and he did that. So yeah. Got it. And uh yeah. <laughs> that wraps up well, it's pretty week good. Of, yeah. Week of stuff. Um a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, now quickies. Trademark. Let's move on now. Let's get to our, our trailer talk. We're talking about one of the newest movie trailers of the week. Uh when it's coming out, what we thought of it, what have you. This week we are talking ambulance. The latest film uh, from fellow auteur Michael Bay, uh, it features uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Yaya Abdul-Mateen as two adoptive brothers. Um, One is in need of money for some kind of medical procedure thing for their wife. And so they plan to rob a bank. Things go sideways and they end up taking a ambulance hostage, uh, which also has Isaac Gonzalez inside as like a, as a you know, EMT. As yeah. the, there you go, an EMT. Um, <laughs> chases and what have you ensue. Uh, Chris, are you, are you a Michael Bay fan? Do you, are you into this trailer? Uh, I'm a Michael Bay fan with a, with like a footnote, with a caveat. Like sometimes, sure. mm-hmm. sometimes he, he's just bad. Like I could not finish, um, what was that recent one? Six, Six underground. underground. I could not. I got, and I, part of that is because I, I've, I've had enough of Ryan Reynolds and his, his endless riffing. Sure. I've had enough. I've had enough of the fact that he's just playing Deadpool in every movie now. Speaking my just, language. He just, he, <laughs> like, he, like every movie, no matter what it is, he feels like he's seconds away from like turning to the camera and and being you know annoying. And I, I've, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. So I, I watched 
the beginning of Six Underground, and you know there was a big chase scene. The beginning of Six and, Underground is like twenty minutes of the of a car chase that is that's yeah. like all exposition, and it's very annoying. And, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, and the entire time, yeah, the entire time Ryan Rounds is just riffing, and I was like, I can't, I cannot finish this, so I turned it off. Mm-hmm. But sometimes Michael Bay, you know, he shows up and uh, he delivers. You know, I don't care for the the Transformers things. I've never seen the, uh, the Benghazi movie he made, but every once in a while, you know, he delivers, man. I, 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 I will always go to bat for, for the rock, which is just delightfully absurd, uh, pain and gain. Wonderful. Uh, so, you know, I, I like the idea of Michael Bay and I, I feel like whatever you can say about Michael Bay, even if you loathe everything he does, you have to admit he is a he's an auteur in the sense that you instantly recognize a Michael Bay movie when you see it. It's he has a style all his own, and I I'm all in on this. I'm all in on Ambulance. I thought the trailer is uh, a lot of fun. Um, I am uh, I I'm particularly enjoying this this period of Jake Gyllenhaal's career where he's just always playing unhinged people he seems to always be playing his mr music character from john <laughs> Lane and the sack bunch and i'm i am 100 percent here for that i love that this is the period of jake gyllenhaal's career where he's like i'm just gonna be this really weird character actor and he's clearly just going for it in in this trailer and michael bay obviously michael bay isn't gonna be like can you dial it down because he wants jake gyllenhaal going for it and uh so I, i'm 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 excited to see this this looks like uh good start of the year garbage and i mean that in the best possible way give me give me that early year garbage where where studios are like we don't have faith in this so we're going to drop it in the first few months of the year and you'll either love it or you'll hate it and uh, i have a feeling it's going to be um entertaining it will not be boring and sometimes that's all i need sure okay. i don't say this too often but um i do wonder what uh, a movie with uh Mark Wahlberg uh, in this role of Jake Gyllenhaal would have been like, because then it would have just been a four brothers universe um, possibly. But with all that being said, I am also in agreement. I, it's a Michael Bay trailer. It's kind of like a Michael Bay trailer. I do like the actions that go this year, but I'm really here more for Yaya and Jake. Uh, Cause I want to see how their brotherhood plays out. They seem like uh, they seem like a good pairing on screen. And you know what? Who doesn't love explosions in LA? So is it going to be a great movie? I, I don't think so. Is it going to be a good movie? Maybe. Is it going to be entertaining? Sure. Yes. I, I definitely see it as entertaining. So I am curious to see how Michael Bay is going to be doing more of his camera stuff that we've started to see him do, especially like in, uh, was it the Benghazi movie, like 13, 13 hours? Um, yeah. Where he's like more drone footage, um, looks like a little bit faster frame rate, et cetera, et cetera. So I'd be curious to see how he's going to do that. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm down for it. Yeah, I mean, Michael Bay is it, it's a it's appointment viewing, unlike not unlike other directors that I enjoy. Now, do I like all of Michael Bay's films as much as I like some others? Not necessarily, but I do enjoy what he brings to screen. I, despite Six Underground, which is there are bits that I enjoy in that, but I, I like the idea of Michael Bay being unleashed from the shackles of Transformers and what that's going to do for like the rest of his uh, his filmmaking. And now that he has like a studio instead of Netflix, which is just like, do whatever you want. We'll give you money. <laughs> I like I like the idea that Ambulance is like, well, he has to be reasonable in some degree. And so it, it'll likely be more toned down than something like Six Underground. Um, and yes, I do think having Jake Gyllenhaal, who I agree him in unhinged roles is a plus for me. And Yaya Abdul-Mateen, who I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I want to see what that is. And I the fact that it's 
a smaller cast as opposed to a large ensemble makes me hope that while he's not the best actors director, he gets, you know, talented people to do their thing on screen. You have Garrett Dillahunt shows up in here with a scraggly beard. I'm all about that also. So like, sure. Like <laughs> let's, let's see what this he's wearing is. like an angels uh, hoodie or oh, no USC. He's wearing like, I was like, all right, okay, get out of here with that USC business. So uh, no, I, I, I am, I'm excited as I can be for, you know, a scaled down Michael Bay film where he just still, you know, does how to go wild with his car with what seems like an extended car chase film sure. mixed with some high stuff. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to ambulance. Uh, the, the LA is in yellow, by the way, because it's in LA. It's not subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> ambulance opens in theaters February 18th, 2022. So it's coming pretty soon. All right. Let's, trailer talk. Let's move on now. Let's get to our main review for West Side Story. This is my first time in New York City. I want to be happy here. I want to make a life at home. Are you ready? Tonight is about family. The first gringo boy who smiles at you. I never seen you before. I'm not Puerto Rican. Is that okay? Do you want to start World War III? You know, I wake up to everything I know either getting sold or wrecked or being taken over by people that I don't like. You keep away from him as long as you're in my house. I'm a grown-up now, Bernardo. I'm gonna think for myself. Tony, we need you if we're going to war. Who are you? Wonderful. That should have been some of the trailer for West Side Story. At this point, film fans are well aware that Steven Spielberg has been yearning to make a musical for decades. For a variety of reasons, West Side Story was a rather fitting choice. The second adaptation of the famed musical from Jerome Robbins, Leonard Bernstein, and Stephen Sondheim has everything the beard has handled before, yet presented in a format breaking away from his familiar theatrics. Joined by writer Tony Kushner, who wrote the screenplays for Munich and Lincoln, this new take on the story of star-crossed lovers and their connections to two teenage street gangs now features a more grounded and assuredly more pointed take on the setting and songs. But does this musical still sing? Chris, we've established that you are a fan of Steven Spielberg in this period of his career. What are your thoughts on... What Are you a fan of the original West Side Story? And what, and what are some general thoughts you have for this film? Yeah, so West Side, the original West Side Story, great movie, you know, people consider it to be the 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 best movie movie musical of all time i don't know if i agree with that but uh i'm not gonna sit here and slag on the original west side story it's a great movie um it's never been particularly one that i've been like i absolutely love west side story so when this was first announced spielberg's version i mean Mm -hmm. i was sort of like i don't know i don't know how i feel about that but you know i can't say no to steven spielberg and i love musicals uh so i went into this sort of with high hopes. I went into this, you know, expecting something good for Spielberg because as you mentioned, Spielberg has been you know, talking about making a musical for his entire career, basically. And he threw 
uh, big musical numbers into other films. There's one in uh, 1941. There's like a big USO dance scene, and there's the uh, the opening to uh, Temple of Doom has a great musical number. So knowing that Spielberg understands the the cinematic language of a musical, that is what had me excited because uh, a lot of modern musicals, musicals of the last 10, 15 years, whatever, 20 years maybe even, uh, they're not good. They're not good because directors somehow got it into their heads that musicals should be shot in extreme close-ups and mm-hmm. no one should be moving and it just looks bad and it, it robs the musical of uh, what makes it so special that energy that movement that that you know life and uh you know obviously the, i feel like the the worst you know the worst offender here is is, is tom hooper who uh just nah. just stinks just stinks at directing musicals and should <laughs> never be allowed to do it again so you know i had hopes that you know spielberg he knows what he's doing so at the very least he's going to direct some killer musical numbers so that's where i was when i went into this and uh you know this blew me away i i absolutely love this um just from the the opening alone where the the, the opening of this movie there the camera is panning across uh the ruins of of uh fire escapes and it just looks like a bomb went off and right away just the way the camera is slowly moving over this wreckage and it pans up and it shows a sign that says you know uh city of new york slum clearance and i was just immediately like oh this is going to be really good isn't it and i was right because it was just fantastic from beginning to end um i i i adored this um i'll probably get in trouble for saying this but i honestly think i like this more than the original i'm not saying it's a better movie i just feel like i enjoyed this more than the original uh particularly tony kushner's script i feel like Tony Kushner has become Spielberg's best collaborator. And I, I wish they had started working together sooner. Sorry, that was my car going off. No, it wasn't. No, that was mine. But, my- um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, in post, uh, you're not going to hear it, though. One of the jets was crossing the road. Yeah. Like, Get out of there. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so uh, Tony Kushner has taken, you know, the, the script or, you know, the book, as they would call it, on, on the stage and reworked it and, uh, uh, recontextualized it and and made it um, sharper and uh, he's the movie really draws out the character motivations a bit more. Um, you know the original film uh, it feels like Tony and Maria the, the, the star-crossed lovers at the center of it they're just instantly like we're in love and that's it and you know I get it you know they're they're riffing on uh, Romeo and Juliet here and that's how it plays Romeo and Juliet but it just seems a little weird the way it plays out in that and I really liked this film takes the time to sort of, you know, it actually has them go on a date at one point, which is, which I thought was a really nice idea, a nice touch, because it really, you know, fleshes out that, that romance mm-hmm. a bit more. And, uh, you know, I, I had, I don't know, I, I was really blown away by this from, from beginning to end. I thought the, the cast was great across the board. I know uh, Ansel Elgort is, is the weakest version, member of the cast. He's the late, least charismatic version of the member of the cast. But I thought he did fine with what he was given. You know, his Tony felt more uh, like a character. You know, the original the Tony in the, in the original film is just constantly just like grinning. And I never once bought him as this this former gang member. Mm-hmm. And I actually bought it this time. I believe that like, all right, this this guy seems more like someone who could run with gangs and get in trouble and stuff like that. Unlike the, the original film's Tony, who's just like, happy-go-lucky every step of the way yeah richard Bamer is not like the best part of that film but even the the part of tony in particular is not the most exciting compared to the rest of the characters yeah 
yeah so yeah that's those are those are my initial thoughts on west side story which i i I really loved well there's plenty of us for us to delve into as we go on but abe uh what what are your thoughts on on west side Mm -hmm. story uh so west side story my original introduction to it was was like a high school class where it was like we're just gonna watch a video today it's like oh all right well this is kind of a choice but uh, so I haven't seen West Side Story in a long, long time. And even then, I was just like, you know, it didn't really live like leave a, a very remarkable impression on me, per se. Um, and then walking to this one, I had largely no expectations. And I know that uh, we had talked about the trailer a few times and we talked about um, kind of just the way that it looked. And, and I sort of talked about like the color palette and how it kind of still looked like a, a 50s, 60s type movie. And then going to this movie, uh, utterly stunned, like this is a stunning, stunning movie. And I mean that in, in the facets in all facets. I mean, everything like what Chris said is true. Um, like I loved the technical aspects of this, uh, movie a lot, like the way that it looks, the way that it feels, the set design, the production design, the costume design, the choreography, like it, the, the cinematography, like it, it is a, a remarkable movie. Like as the movie progresses and the story, it kicks in, you know, the story is a story and everybody has seen it. Everyone's sort of heard it. Um, but I think that there are just a really good, like it really sets you up in such a way that allows you to really be immersed in the story because you're following these characters. But like what Chris was saying, you you actually get more immersed in the characters than you did in the in the other one. Cause like even even the character of like um who, who's like the guy that that goes to the dance with um Chino? Chino, yeah. And Chino's a little bit more fleshed out in this one too. And so it's like, there, there's like a lot of like dynamics, dynamicism. So it's not as though it's like, it doesn't like supersede the first one in a way that says like, I'm just going to tell a completely different story. It actually just enhances the first one because that opening number, fucking fantastic. Like it, there was like a, a, a pirouette that the guys do. And I was like, I am fucking sold in this movie. So I think that from the standpoint of like what I really appreciate at this movie, is yes, the the choreography and the singing, but I just really liked that you could see everything. And so that was also my gripe that Chris also mentioned. So Chris, you and I are in parallel wavelengths. That's my gripe with things like Les Mis or um, Dear Evan Hansen, where it's like, I, you know, you guys are making like a movie and a musical, but it's not like a movie musical. And this one's just like, this is a movie musical. Like you're going to get some parts of it where they're just going to, be uh, talking along here like the America song. And then all of a sudden it just burst out to like this giant number in the streets. So this actually gave me a fonder appreciation of in the Heights as well. Cause I know that I was a little bit mixed bag on that, but I thought that this movie was just stunning and from like the way that it looks and yes, like all the characters are great. John Mulaney is great as riff. Um, <laughs> and you know, I didn't know, I knew that he had, I knew that he had diner lobster in his back pocket, but I didn't know he had this kind of stuff. Um, so it was just a phenomenal experience from beginning to end. I did get choked up sometimes and I am not the person that gets choked up at a movie musical, like musical in life. Sure. But I remember, I remember Les Mis people were sobbing and I was like, I don't feel any of this. Um, and in this one, I was like, yeah, I, I certainly feel, uh, the, the tension in the air, but the songs are affecting me. And I, I would agree that uh, from all the, the tremendous cast, um, the weakest link is probably Enzel Elgort, um, probably because he has, I don't know if he has, doesn't have a whole lot to do, but it's kind of stiff in some of the scenes. But with all that being said, like, I thought that it was just a, a stunning production. Like, this is what movies are made for. 
wonder if anyone does confuse Mike Faced with John Mulaney. No, <laughs> there's definitely a joke. Yeah, I definitely want to give credit. To He's it. like a foot shorter, but it could happen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wouldn't it be something if I just came in and panned this movie right now? I, um, That'd be hilarious. You please would, do. But, but it's not the case because we're just in an entire agreement here. So we can just talk about all the great things and maybe try to find some areas <laughs> where it struggles. Um, but I am a huge fan of the original West Side Story. It is what I proclaim is generally my favorite musical. Um, so the But the, the prospect of Spielberg doing another version of it well, I'm welcome to that because why not? I, it's, it's Spielberg. And it's also, I enjoy seeing interesting creative visions that, you know, take on stuff that I already like as much as I do original things. Um, the the thing that I was like most concerned with was what Janusz Kaminski was going to be able to do with this movie. Um, as much as I enjoy a lot of Spielberg's films um, from, the, you know, this kind of, from this recent period, my main issue generally has always been I, I'm not huge on what Kaminsky does and how he films some of Spielberg's films. Sometimes, you know, his tricks work uh, more than they don't, um, but that is generally one of my main criticisms. So going into this, that was my biggest curiosity, and he destroyed this movie. <laughs> like, it's so it's so well assembled and so well shot. Uh, much like it's been pointed out, the fact that you can see the dancing is huge, but just the way you're seeing so much of what's happening in this film, the way the camera pans, the way crane shots are used, uh, the close-ups that you do get, the way his backlighting tends to play in films, and I think it's pretty effective here. Uh, it's a very colorful movie. Like, There's just so much going on from a visual standpoint um, that made me very very happy and i should not be surprised whatsoever if spielberg wants to do a musical he's going to make a great musical like that's just what i should be expecting he's going to get all the best people he has freaking dudamel on the conducting staff i mean like it's it's ridiculous like he, he has all the best talent because he's spielberg and he can get it uh, it's the same kind of thing abe what like ready player one was coming out and i'm thinking regardless of how good this movie is if Spielberg wants to make like a cg driven action movie to show the younger kids how it's done he can do that and yeah, that movie has amazing action sequences. This movie has amazing musical numbers, much like I figured it would. Uh, but it's still a thrill to see. It's wonderful to see him pull this whole thing off. I agree about Kushner being a great collaborator with Spielberg. I, I can only hope that they... Is he right? Is he doing the Fablemans also, Chris? Yeah, he is. He okay, is. See, okay, it's already that's like an A plus movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's as if our horses. <laughs> but uh, but seriously, I mean the the work that Kushner puts into this screenplay, which you know a lesser a, a lesser filmmaker would just be like, all right, I'll just you know update the dialogue a little bit. He's to like, there's some great strides made to not necessarily prove upon, but certainly enhance and, you know, retrofit uh, this story with things that just, you know, find the relevance of today as well as still, you know, you know, being what the story is in general and being uh, making it, you know, making it work as an updated version while still telling the same story. I, I think Kushner is able to pull that off. He makes the themes um, that were very much in the original film, just even more apparent here because yeah. apparently we need to put things in yellow highlighter because people just don't seem to get it. And he does that effectively. Um, we'll talk more about some of the casting and what have you here, but I mean, there's a, just a number of terrific performances that are, yes, very charismatic and lively and the things that you want to see in a movie musical. And yet the film does have this kind of more grounded and honestly sadder take on a lot of the things that are going on here. I mean, it's already, you know, it's a riff on Romeo and Juliet. It's a tragedy, but at the what? same time, but at the same time, the things that it's pointing out and how it goes about doing that and what have you, you see some stuff that is heavy. 
in the midst of the fun and what have you that you get from seeing like America in this new way, like there's, you know, there's things with weight to them that I think are affecting, which is why it was just a blubbering mess. Like he couldn't stop crying. I don't, I don't, that's, that's <laughs> just, he walked out of the theater, barely able to hold himself up. <laughs> I, I understand why you would say that out loud on this recording. Um, but, but seriously, I, I, yes, I do think this is a, a fantastic accomplishment. Um, I, 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 I don't if if he got be making a musical out of his system, I I still hope that it's like he did this good with this one. What else can he do with this genre if he wants to keep doing musicals? If he wants to do another mm-hmm. one, I'd be very welcome to that. Yeah, and I also want to you touch upon themes, and obviously the themes are, are yes, they are hell yellow highlighter, um, but at the same time, like Spielberg has always had his pulse on the zeitgeist, and he's had his pulse on. Uh, political messages and political themes. So for this one to have elements of again xenophobia and as well as uh, gentrification and and uh, like I, I guess the theme of overall uh, hate, I suppose. Uh, kudos, you know what I mean. Like I, I don't think that Spielberg makes movies without thinking about their possible effect on on um, or like without any any sort of. Uh, not conveying any of his messages in his movies. What I what I like about it is with someone like Riff, for example, who is played excellently by Mike Face, mm-hmm. um, because of again the scripting and just the performance or what have you. There's there's layering there. There's there's another. It doesn't necessarily justify every action that he takes or what have you. But you can understand that in addition to you know having thoughts that don't make aren't the most savory he's also this like scared kid who's small and needs to put mm-hmm. himself up there and pump up his masculinity to make himself you know appear a way that can make him himself intimidating and, and you know show off to these sharks and despite taking a certain angle on how he's going after them he's certainly you know you can you can see underneath what this guy is uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a lot of that throughout this movie. Chris, you any thoughts on like the the way they're handling the, the kind of the themes going on here? Oh no, it's it's. I I feel like the pro not the problem, but the thing that drives me nuts is like the way you when you try and talk about this stuff, it's going to sound like you're being like, ah, Spielberg updated it for uh, you know a, a quote unquote woke audience, and then everyone starts talking about wokeness. And, mm-hmm making assholes of themselves and because mm-hmm. they don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> because that's become like this shitty buzzword can i curse on your show i'm sorry yes, Curse. Fuck yeah. right. <laughs> okay. fucking let it rip come this you know this shitty buzzword for shitty people who you know and like right now like the movie is underperforming at the box office and i'm dreading because those take these takes are going to come i'm dreading people are going to be like the reason it failed is because it's too woke and i just want to like scream until mm. my my lungs explode anyway so <laughs> well, I, I, that because you know <laughs> then we would be you wouldn't be able to do your finish the show first yeah, That's the- yeah. <laughs> but like uh, so it's like yes this this has been sort of updated in a way that recontextualizes these themes but it's not done in this like preachy way it's not done in like this is a movie with a message way like there mm-hmm. is a message right. there but it's it's handled uh uh, I don't know if you can call a musical subtle, but it is handled subtly in a way that it doesn't seem like it's preaching at the audience. It and, feels dealing, like it's, and dealing with the same themes that a West Side Story's always had. And that's the other yeah, thing. right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. People are like, wow, I can't believe he's 
he's made this exploring these themes like well those themes are always there you're just an idiot but uh, <laughs> so, so you know but that, that's that's how i i approach this where like i i love the way it works out i love the way it's been recontextualized even the way that like it plays up the fact that you know the, the jets and the sharks they're both fighting over land that's going to be gone right. very soon like they tell you right at the beginning that like mm-hmm sooner or later you're all getting evicted from this block like you're fighting over not and later in the film too after um you know after the big uh the big rumble where where, uh two characters die uh one one of the um one of the sharks even points out that like you know there's a you know the world is a lot bigger than these few blocks we're fighting over and i just you know i love those little touches like that that like really i don't know it just gives the characters a more realistic motivation and yeah. like i it's like yeah yes this is a musical but it feels it somehow feels grounded and fantastical at the same time and i i particularly love that spielberg didn't feel the need to highlight why the fantastical musical numbers are happening i feel like that's another thing that really bugs me about recent musicals um like in the heights did this and it, it, like i feel like that movie is pretty good but it did this thing where it, it gives the film a framing device where it, like, oh, this is a story. And that's why there are people bursting in the musical numbers. And the, the musical adaptation of Chicago does the thing where, oh, the, the musical numbers are all in the characters' heads. They're not, and like Spielberg is like, you know, he, he's working with old school style here. And he realizes mm-hmm. you don't need, you don't need to explain why the characters are bursting this song. It just, you just go with it. Right. And I, I really liked that there wasn't like some dumb moment where it's like well here's why the characters are singing and i particularly like that this the musical numbers feel like they're actually really happening too because yeah. after the uh, the whole um the officer krupke number like the 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 jets are all like out of breath and they're sweating yeah uh-huh. and it's like it's like oh okay the musical number they just did actually really happen it's not like you know some fantasy so mm-hmm. things like that approaches like that are, are little details that really maybe appreciate this more than i thought i was even going to definitely uh, because uh, even the example of like when they're singing in America, like they stop traffic and everybody in the car is like, what is happening here? Uh, and then like some kid in the background, she's like clapping. But uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that it feels organic uh, in such a way that allows you to really just be in the story. And again, like it picked me up right in the, from the get go. Like, sure, the stab of the fingers, but it was really just them, you know, shit talking while they're like dancing down the street. And I was like, yeah, OK. I see where you're going with this. It's, it's like great. puffing up your feathers. It's like, you know, like, like, like birds that do that, to like kind of put on a, a show, put on an intimidation show, right. kind of get the, get, get the higher up and in, in the midst of things uh, as, as far as the musical numbers go. And, and speaking of kind of the contextually applying it or what have you, the making it organic, this, this version of the film of uh, the story rearranges a number of the songs. It, it, it moves certain things around it, re, it reestablishes what their meaning is. Cool, for example, comes in earlier in the film and has a different dynamic entirely as far as what it means. I Feel Pretty comes later in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm just curious what, where your guys' thoughts are is like as far as how the, the arrangement of the musical numbers go, but I'll just say that I, I thought it, it worked. I, I enjoyed what it did. I, I, as far as seeing a new version of West Side Story, you wonder you know, what the beyond the general aesthetic what the other differences are going to be and we've already talked about the script a little bit but the mm-hmm. you know how you incorporate the music obviously is a huge deal and i i didn't you know i didn't know this ahead of time that there was going to be a rearrangement of certain songs or what have you so i i thought it was both clever and effective i thought i thought it you know it worked for the for the film 
did they also arrange it so that it's a little bit more in tune with the stage production of this is as i'm understanding it it's it adheres closer to the original yeah broadway production is including the inclusion of the song somewhere that's sang by rita moreno's character which Mm -hmm. is not not in the 61 film not five old the mouse got it Uh, (laughs) but i i thought that the the song order was was fine like it's not that it it was better than fine but it's just more like i i didn't um because i'm I'm speaking as one that's seen it more than you have so it's like yeah yeah. Chris, any thoughts on the like the in that aspect? Yeah, like, you know, one of the things that uh, particularly struck me is how bet not better, but how more how fluid the musical numbers mm-hmm. are in this, and that you know, that's like a uh, a matter of technology. You know, the original film they they didn't move the cameras as much as they 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 can and do these days, right. and I really appreciated how the musical numbers felt. Some of the musical numbers felt really bigger here. I really loved. I, I've always liked I, "Cool." I, I, that's like one of my favorite songs from the show, just because I I just cool love song. The lyrics. I mean, it's yeah. a cool song. Yeah. <laughs> it is up to that name. Yeah, and I I really like the way they they play it here as opposed to the uh, the original, where it just feels like some random character is singing that song. Whereas in this version, they they have you know the it, main character singing it. It's an it's more emotional, and I think and it takes on this like experimental dance aspect that I think was really cool. Yeah, they're like they're fighting over the gun. That's such like an yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. And I love the way that that moment starts where like the minute they buy this gun off these shady characters, they're like running through the streets pretending to shoot each other like absolute yeah. idiots. Like I just love to like that underscores how young and dumb exactly. these characters are. It's like, oh, these are, you know, that's everything. You know, the original, they all look like they're like in their, their 40s. And this one, they actually, <laughs> they look, you know, relatively younger. They don't look like right. kids exactly, but they look, you know, like young punks. And I really like how, like this is underscores that and like the you know the i feel pretty number is, is shot at uh at gimbals and it has that whole like the he just keeps moving from one location to that department store to the next and i right. just thought that was such an a, a cool way to to redo that that number and um so yeah i you know spielberg you know this is, this is gonna sound controversial but steven spielberg knows what he's doing so yeah. uh, what so- <laughs> i mean chris this is his first major motion picture i don't know if he's gonna give us some time to breathe yeah. Yeah, another um, white guy giving a huge budget the first time out. Jeez, I, uh, <laughs> okay. I want to uh, just real, real quick, real quick, yeah, yeah. I, just to, to add to this conversation uh, please, for please. Uh, America. I also really enjoyed as well yeah. uh, because in the original, you know, when I say in the original, it's not like I dislike things in the original because I think the original is pretty fantastic. But like the original version of America, it's staged on what is the largest rooftop in New York, where this version, it's uh, in the streets right. uh, within the, the, you know, the neighborhood, the Puerto Rican neighborhood. And I thought that was, that was a, a terrific way to handle it. I think it adds much like you were saying, Chris, about like the I feel pretty number, just a lot of variety in what you're seeing and mm-hmm. like the, in the staging of it. And it just, it, and again, it feels organic as opposed to we're on a rooftop and we're having a discussion. Now let's sing about that. Like mm-hmm. this feels like it just, it plays into what the theme of that song is um and, and i just it, among among the many other musical numbers in this uh in this um in this movie i thought that was just a, a terrific choice they got to be careful that roof dancing that's going to cave in exactly um, I don't know what about I know. we don't know those standards were like in the 50s and 60s um one thing else bad they're being torn down <laughs> <laughs> for the lincoln center no less yeah um the uh the thing that i wanted to just piggyback off was what chris you're talking about like how young that these people are um the characters are and I, that's kind of why like the story to me was like, well, you know, why would she do this? And then you're just like, well, she's like 15, 18. This is not 15. She's 18. 
but um it's one of those things where like they're just young dumb and in love kind of thing so if you allow that then you're going to be more uh you're going to be better off with uh, the rest of the story because yes yeah these these are like young punks that are just like running the streets kind of thinking that they're on top of the world and you know Corey Stoll is there to kind of like put them into place from time to time just telling them that they're all losers um so yeah that was one of the things where I forgave it by just being like this seems like a very like lame way to end this movie but you know again they're they're super young so well let's let's talk about the casting more Please. I mean we mentioned already now that they are younger and that's by design Spielberg chose people that were purposely very young uh, mm-hmm. to, to play you know men, the majority of the roles uh, in addition to that the other key factor in a movie about you know that's West Side Story is that you know the sharks and the Puerto Rican characters uh, all of you know this neighborhood all portrayed by actual Latino actors mm-hmm. um, which is you know of the things to you know, criticize about the 61 version. Yeah, you have a lot of people in brownface uh, playing those characters this time around. You a have, Greek guy. You, yeah. you, you have you have characters that, uh, you know, fit the setting, uh, so to speak, or at least, you know, make a lot more uh, casting sense. And it pays off. I mean, the, the movie movie benefits by not only exploring the themes that it's going for, but actually having uh, representation and diversity within the cast. Uh, I can better make that argument without having to, as we've established, yell it at you and just be like, here are all these great actors. Here's mm-hmm. a here's a great set of characters, ones that have a, ver- a variety of uh, morals and opinions and thoughts and dreams and what have you that uh, make a lot of sense, given the narrative that we're watching and given the people, the kind of people that we're seeing on screen. Um, it only helps that they're all really good in this movie, like all of the <laughs> all the cast members are very good. Let's let's, let's talk. Let's talk about the, uh, you know, this cast and the, these casting choices. Sure. Right. Yeah. We should start off with the, with Rachel Ziegler, who I thought was phenomenal as Maria um, new to the screen, but I wonderful singing talent. I think everybody does their own singing in this movie. Right. Yes. Um, Compared so, to the original again. Yes. Right. We're kind of controversial there too. Right. With um, I forget, I forget who the main actress is. Natalie Wood, Natalie, Natalie Wood, Wood yeah. where she, she practiced and it didn't go her way. But uh, without this thing said, I thought Rachel brought an innocence to the screen, like this ingenue innocence to the screen and um, and allowed me to really just like, even the, we didn't talk about this yet, but the direction and the choice to, to not put up subtitles, which I thought was a, a very bold but great move um, by Spielberg and team, like the way that she reacts to uh, things and the way that she just gives this presence on the screen, I thought it was fantastic. How's on Rachel? Go, Chris. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Me or you? I'm sorry. Here's how you go. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. She's uh, phenomenal in this. And I particularly like that. uh, And again, I I hate to make it sound like I'm constantly like ragging on the original movie because the original movie is a great movie. I feel like this movie compliments that movie. Let me say Mm -hmm. that. So, but um, what I really liked is, you know, after, uh, after, you know, Bernardo, who is his, who is Maria's uh, brother, brother. Yeah. is murdered in the original. She just seems to get over it really quickly where she's just like, whatever. I, <laughs> I love Tony. <laughs> and I really like that, you know, this film gives her more of like an emotional like moment where she's like horrified that her brother is dead. And, and Rachel Ziegler really nails that down. Like not just, and she really nails down that we can believe that even though she's upset over her brother's murder, that she can sort of, forgive Tony or not forgive him, but understand why it happened. And 
that's not easy to sell. That's a tricky thing to do because if mm-hmm. you read it on paper, like a man murdered your brother and you instantly sleep with him. It's like, that sounds right. really weird and bad, <laughs> but the way Rachel Ziegler plays it is you can, you can believe that this character would do that. You can understand where she's coming from and how she would react this way. And I, I really, you know, like I said, that's, that's not easy to do. And I'm, and the fact that this is like her first big screen role and she's like, knocking it out of the park like this well is is incredibly impressive and i, I want to see more of her in in, in things immediately so I, mm-hmm. I, I was just really impressed with her work here she's very good in the film and it does it it when you you know you have all the best filmmakers around you to help i, I think that that adds to i mean your confidence level i'd imagine but regardless like the, the you know the songs uh required by for maria like i, I think are wonderfully pulled off the those sequences that involve Bernardo and Anita uh, in the apartments where they're speaking and when they kind of go in and out of English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have these sequences that are that, yes, the, the artistic choice was made to not subtitle the, the sequences in Spanish uh, that, you know, that shows how good the acting is because it's all about the emotion of those right. scenes where regardless of whether or not you can understand Spanish, um, you you can, you know, you get what the, you get what the scenes are going for based off what, how these characters are communicating in any language and, and I, I think that, that allows you to stay in that scene you know what I mean? yes i agree yeah you're not being pulled away because you some people need to read need to read, really need to read right. something instead you're just you're interpreting what's going on because that's what acting can be it doesn't always mm-hmm. have to be you know plainly yeah. understood dialogue and so yeah, that, you can you can follow those scenes even if you don't know what they're saying and right that again is not easy to do but Again, Spielberg, Spielberg kind of, he knows, master. He knows he knows what he's doing. He's he's, <laughs> he's he's you know he's read a few books. He's learned a thing or two. I th- I think he's you know he's going places. This kid, this Spielberg <laughs> yeah. kid. So, so speaking of which, you also have Ariana DeBose. Yes, as, I was going to go to her next too. As Anita, uh, famously played by Rita Moreno in the original, who won an Oscar for that film, and she appears in this one in a different role. But for DeBose, who's coming into this film, a, a role that will require her to actually interact with Moreno at one point in the film. Um, th- that Looper seems like a situation. Seems like exactly yeah, the straws were interesting, uh, but the, you know the prospect of taking on that kind of role is certainly a heavy one because Anita, uh, Anita and like Riff are you know the they're like the biggest characters as far as like the kind of the takeaways, the care, the charisma that comes with them or what have you. And I, I do think again, the Bose is pretty excellent in this movie. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a, a lot going on for the character. I tend to think that Anita is the most layered character in the film, given the variety of things they have to go, she has to go through. And no, I just think it knocks it out of the park. I, I didn't realize that, that I was going to be so emotionally attached to her. Um, but I thought that she was like uh, one of like the, the larger arteries of this movie. Um, and so when she has her songs and she has her numbers, America is a great number for her to showcase her talents. Uh, and then obviously like the, the dancing scene. And then when she has to give like this difficult performance toward the end of the movie, I'm just like, this is phenomenal. Like, I don't know who Ariana DeBose is. I'm sure she's a, a Broadway star kind of more. I, a lot of these folks are more Broadway folks than they are like um, mm-hmm. uh, Hollywood cast. But I was just utterly uh, intertwined with the, her feelings at that point where I was like, wow, you know, I, I feel her, her sorrow and her anguish, but I also feel her anger to like the, the scene that, that uh, Chris just talked about too, where she's got to confront Maria for a moment. And I was just like, man, Ariana DeBose, great job. Great job. Yeah. She's uh, I really do think she is the standout here. Her, she, her and Mike face face mm-hmm. are the, are the, are I think the two best again, everyone is really good here, but I think those two, are the best here and yeah like, like you were just saying that that 
again, going back to the, the Bernardo being murdered thing, even the, you know, Rita Morano, great, great in that original movie. Definitely fantastic. But again, it really feels like they just sort of gloss over Bernardo, this guy they've, you know, lived with has right. been murdered and they're just like, all right, what about Tony? And I really like that, you know, even after Anita, you know, agrees to help Maria out and go down mm-hmm. to the, you know, the pharmacy, you, you still get that, um, you know, that inner conflict she's you know raging inside her where she's just like ah like you know this guy you know this guy i love this guy i live with he, he's he is now dead and i have to i have to help out her uh his his murderer and you know right. you, you buy into that the way she's selling it and uh it's so and she's so like alive especially in that yes. american number where she's just right. like running through the streets and uh, the, you know, the costume design is a big part of why that, that scene pops so much because she's got this yellow dress on with this red uh, undercurrent to it that just like is always flashing when she's swaying the dress around. It's just such a vibrant performance. Right. And uh, I feel like that's why it, it stands out the most just because it's, she's like, she really feels like the most alive character in the whole, sure. the whole damn movie. Yeah. yeah and, and she like cuts me twice very deep in with some of her line readings one of them when she's talking to maria and saying like hey man like i'm never gonna talk to tony like i'm gonna be cool with you but at the same time like you can never come back here kind of thing and then when she calls Maria moreno's character valentina a traitor it's like wow this really cut me like great job ariana debose on these line readings yeah absolutely speaking of moreno we should bring her up she plays valentina in this film who is in this version um she is the the wife of Doc, who has passed away, where in the original there's just a Doc character who runs the the pharmacy, and mm-hmm. Tony Tony lives there and works there. Um, so in this version, you have a, a, an interesting switch because not only do you have Moreno providing what is basically fan service, but you have her in a key role and one that you know she's playing a Puerto Rican character who basically serves the Jets uh, more or less. Um, and I've, I she's also an executive producer on the films, and you know the the input is is there, um, but I regardless I, she's she's a fe- i mean she's a great actress and she's effective in this movie i thought the, the you know is you know a smaller part compared to others but i mean the she gets a chance to sing she gets a chance to have you know emotional tension between some of the characters i i she, she brings a lot to the film yeah when 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 you know they cast her like you said i thought it was just going to be fan service i thought it was gonna be like because you just you know whenever you're making a remake it's always fun to have like someone from the original show up. And I thought it was going to be like a really nothing part. It was just going to uh, be like, there she is. Exactly. So I was really impressed that she actually has like an arc, this whole thing about how, you know, she married a white guy and she feels conflicted about, you know, living in this neighborhood. And, and uh, you know, I, I was, I really appreciated that they actually gave her stuff to do and she, you know, she nails it. She's, she's so good um, if, if she, they, you know, it played, given that she's it was in a basically in, a, in a, an interracial marriage, it plays into what the '61 film was doing as far as mm-hmm. cast, you know, casting the way it did and painting people the way it did, yeah. and her role and all that, and like this, you know, her success in spite of these limitations and things right. that it was pushing forward. It's a neat, it's an interesting comment on on that to some degree. And also, it sort of brings like a parallel, or I guess a, a sliding doors type life to Maria and Tony as well. Oh yeah, because okay. I, I I kind of got that when she was taking like the photo. It's like could have been you, Tony, but you know, like things happen. But with all that being said, I agree with you guys that she's got a a very emotional number, um, and then also she kind of serves as a pivotal point uh, toward the end there, where she has to do some acting um, uh, against uh, 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 Tony. Uh, so 
let's see. Let's go to Mike next. Let's go. Let's go. To, okay. Let's go to Mike Feist's riff. Uh, what I like here is compared to Russ Tamblin, who's like a, he's a bigger guy um, in the midst of other jets that are similarly stocky, like seem like they can handle themselves. I like that Mike Feist is like not scrawny, but like, you know, he's scrappy. He looks like sure. a scrappy guy. He looks yeah. like a guy that doesn't necessarily win all the fights, but he puts a hundred percent into all of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I think that really works for these guys. I've already kind of described. I think that pays off for like what type of character Riff is, where you can argue that he's, you know, a racist and xenophobic and has real issues with people that don't look like him. At the same time, there's clearly something deeper there based off whatever his backstory may be and his own personal struggles that inform his naivety, his ignorance, and what have you. And I, I think that makes him a more compelling character mm-hmm. as a result, which obviously I'd prefer to see in a film yeah. like this. I thought that Mike was a really good standout in this movie as well. I mean, we talked about Ariana and, and Mike together. Mike definitely, I mean, he's on the screen. You're just like, I'm going to follow. Like, I don't know who this guy is. He's probably uh, not a great guy, but amazing dancer, you know, great, great dancer. Great yeah, dancer. like just on the screen, like and his his on screen charisma as this, you know, opposing member of the family that you're sort of uh, rooting for is fantastic. Like his villainy is there, but also there's like what you were saying, Aaron. There's like a lining of, well, he's also still just a kid. Like he just doesn't understand these things as as a global whole. And so for him, his world is this. But at the same time, like there's like this, especially during the knife fight stuff, where you just like. You can see, and, I, and Chris, this goes to your point, like all this facial acting is fantastic because like there's just a, the sense of like, well, I guess I'll have to fight for Tony's uh, instead of Tony, or I'm, I'm telling Tony not to butt in, even though I'm kind of scared myself. I was like, this is fantastic. So Mike Faust, Feist, Feist, Feist. good job. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, have, I have nothing. <laughs> you, I think you, you both pretty much yeah. nailed it. Although I, I will, I will add that I too, the entire time I was watching this, I was like, I was like, that guy really looks like, Broadway John Mulaney. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's like this is John Mulaney's even thinner brother. It's like it's the entire time. It's like this is very a little distracting. But um how oh, bad do you think John Mulaney is that he didn't get an audition call? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. He, 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 he stars in Oh Hi on Broadway. It's the shorter right. version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I, I really just love that the character, even if you can't be sympathetic with this character, the way he plays it you can be empathetic right. you can understand Here. you know you you can't support his racism you understand sort of why he feels the right. way he does and yeah. i and again this is tricky stuff this is like morally gray stuff especially now where audiences have gotten to this point uh, and when i say audiences i really mean film twitter where they've got to this point where everything <laughs> has to be like everything has to be the moral high ground and has to be completely spelled out like if you don't have a character turn to the the camera and be like this is wrong people are like Ah, they're they're supporting this behavior, and, 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 and you know that's absolute nonsense. But uh, mm-hmm. that that goes to um, viewing comprehension. I don't I don't know how things have gotten so bad, but they have where people don't understand what they're watching. <laughs> um, so again, that's that's really difficult stuff to sell, especially now. And everyone here nails down the, those that that morally gray area these characters inhabit, and yeah. in, mm-hmm. in such a unique, believable way where you can you can go along with it even if you don't uh, agree with it. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I was, I'm most impressed by that really. 
I think if we if we get to Ansel Elgort, that'll take us to other areas yeah. of this film. But let's talk about David Alvarez real quick as Bernardo before we forget about him, sure. um, because I do think he's you know he's he's, he's a strong performance as well. I, I do think the the work there to characterize as leader of the sharks, uh, this guy who is more pulled into a situation just based off he wants to rep- properly represent his side of things and stand up for himself and his friends as opposed to just letting these you know ignorant white people run all over the place i mean it's mm-hmm. it's like it's good work and i think the the enhancing of his backstory as a boxer um that that informs the kind of the, the, the kind of fire that he has within him to you know not necessarily want to go to certain extremes but certainly you know wants to be able to back it up if need be and i do think mm-hmm. alvarez is able to pull that off as well as again good dancer i mean like excellent dancer. i mean he won I, a Tony I for, I, for billy elliott didn't he i believe so. and it's it i mean I don't know enough about dance to be like getting to specifics beyond just saying he's a good dancer, but that's, that's (laughs) what it boils down to. He's really good. (laughs) Yeah. I thought the David was really good too. I mean, again, he brings like this, um, both he and riff, like the two actors, Mike and David, they both have like this charisma about them that allows you to be like, well, I want to see more of Bernardo. He might be a hard ass, but also, you know what? He really just loves his sister and kind of wants to care for her. Um, and then he loves uh, Anita and he just wants to like hang out with like his buddies. And, and I actually appreciate that. He's also somewhat practical. He's like, no, we can't go fight you. We have to go to work. You idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, Hey man, like he's trying to take care of his family here. Come on. You know what I mean? So yeah. Like David Alvarez, very charming, very charismatic, great muscles, you know, like very cut. So <laughs> good job. Yeah, everyone's in very good shape in this movie. And they're totally. All, they're, all, they're all wearing tank tops so you can see their, <laughs> their biceps. Yeah, so. The deleted scenes of them going to the, the local gym where there's a shark side <laughs> and a jet side. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all that, you know, all that dancing burns a lot of calories. They're just spinning around and they're, they're, they're cutting. They're going to bulk later. They're cutting. That's, that's why they're always at the drugstore. They're always buying like nutritional <laughs> yeah, supplements. Yeah. Yeah. Supplements, exactly. <laughs> Valentina is huge on the supplement. That's why, that's how the Got it. Yeah. That's why all the other buildings are being torn down except hers. Uh, what if this is true? Um, so it's a Elgort's character. It's a Elgort. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Comes in it, with a controversy, but I also thought that like, he was one of the weakest folks of the cast. For sure. And I mean, there's not much reason to, del- to delve into whatever alleged picadillos he's seemingly involved in. But as far as his performance goes in this film, I mean, yeah, it's it. it, it I wouldn't say it comes up lack because I don't think he's like outright bad in this movie. No, no, no. I, I think he has a good voice for one thing. And I do think his dancing is which, you know, he's shown before in varying degrees that he can he can dance for sure. But I do think yes, it takes it takes a little more effort uh, to see like that connection that he's sharing with Maria based off I think Elgort's choices to like and you know it goes it's not like Spielberg just said do whatever you want to like whatever the direction was like it seems like Elgort was like he, he needs to brood more as Tony he needs to have this something that separates him out from I guess the rest of the Jets and. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is it, I mean it's clearly many have latched onto it and whether or not that's shaded by outside thoughts on Elgort. it's i mean regardless the performance is what the performance is here and it, yeah it feels like it does have a difference it's, you want to expand on that Abe or yeah Chris? i mean essentially just i think that whenever i saw him show up on the screen it sort of actually kind of took me out of the movie and slash musical um not a not a completely way and not a complete way but just more of okay cool there's an actor here now um and this actor has to has to act i mean he's not like a singer and dancer although yes he does hold his own from time to time but 
Ansel Elgort kind of just being a charming guy on the screen is kind of like, I think where he works best, whether that be at the dance under the stairs or I'm sorry, under the bleachers or when they're at the, um, the, the museum slash church when they go on like a day date. Um, so I think like his charm is definitely there, but I, I, there was just like some parts where I was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I think I'm curious to see just, uh, if there was another actor. I, th- I think there, guy. I think there's less, um, I think I think he's more effective in the scenes where he's not trying to be charming, honestly, where oh, he is, yeah. where he's more where he's either at odds with Riff or he's sure, you know, yeah. being driven to anger. I, I think those are more affecting scenes yeah. than ones where he's pining over Maria or what have you. I, I, I And that's. Yeah, I definitely see that. Chris, what, what are you? Sorry. No, as I said, that's what you guys were bringing up uh, earlier around. Um, there's like he does certainly versus like the the other West Side Story movie. There's like more of like a menace to him. Like you can definitely see that there's like a. A, a darker side yeah they add this backstory involving his prison term and mm-hmm. why he went to prison or what have but but chris where where, where are you with do you think he's more effective in certain scenes than others as far as what he's doing yeah, I, I agree he's he's better at, at the brooding stuff and I, I do like that they gave him that you know oh he almost killed a guy and you know he's like patrick swayze at roadhouse he's he's tormented <laughs> by, by his past um i i do think you know, I, I said this early, but he is the he's the, the least charismatic member of the cast. Sure, um, yeah. And I feel like the, the real problem here is everyone around him is so damn good that it makes him look worse than yeah. he actually is. Because like, I'm, I, yeah, like I, I've seen a few people who have been like calling his performance like flat out terrible. And it's really not a bad performance. It's just not it's the least good performance in the film. And it's everyone else is so damn great that it makes him look worse than he, he really is. I do think, I do think he he's perfectly adequate in the film. I do feel like, like they could have found someone even better and it would have been an even better movie, but he by no means like harms the film with his performance. Like mm-hmm. there was never a moment where I was like, get this guy out of here. It was just that <laughs> I was, I was more interested in everyone else, but yeah. he's got a really good singing voice. Honestly, I thought he that does. He did, you know, like that, that, um, you know, that, that his first song, you know, what is that called? Where, um, I don't remember the one. The something's uh, coming. Something's song. coming. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He he really he does. He nails that really well. I thought he did a really good job of that. And and again, like uh, this is more. I think has more to do with the script and Spielberg's approach. But I bought him as a character a little bit more than sure I do in the original movie, where the character is just like I said. He's just he's always happy. Remember where he is. He's just like ha ha. I love being <laughs> whatever I am. He's a swashbuckler. Yeah, he's he's Errol Flynn. So like I, I, you know, I like that he's a, a little more of a tormented character in this one. I like that he does. I like that you know it's established that he is a violent guy who doesn't want to be violent. Unlike in the original, sure. where he's just like, it's just like, whoops, I accidentally killed a guy. In this one, you you're like, you know, you can feel that it's percolating throughout the entire film. It's what what if that was actually the, the line from the 1961 West Side Story? Whoops, whoops, yeah. <laughs> yeah. whoops. and then they go into the big whoops then, yeah. musical <laughs> number. <laughs> Whoops! Yeah. He did it. He started. Yeah, he shows whoops, up at Maria's house like, "Whoops!" He got I it. Did. Yeah, everyone just you know, wah wah. And there's like <laughs> horns going off. But yeah, so yeah, that's a long way of saying. Officer Krupke makes a face. Yeah, <laughs> loses his hat again. Whoops! Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's fine. He is. Yeah. He's perfectly. I think you adequate. described it very well, which is everybody's so good that it kind of just he's against them is is at a deficit it's the kind of thing where i mean it's not that spielberg is infallible uh, sure. but at the, you can't you can't wonder you can't be sitting there thinking oh he clearly just didn't see that this performance was bad it's like well he knows what he's doing like he's, yeah. he's getting mm-hmm. what he wants out of this guy but i do 
I mean, the the casting choice. I mean, there's a level of set for one thing. He's you know he's an established actor who's the right age and coming in at the right time. You know, for a movie that has quote unquote no stars in it, he you know has the most screen status. Fair to say, I would say you know beside moreno who's you know the small supporting role mm-hmm. but your lead character like i get the logic of casting somebody like ansel elcourt is there somebody out there that also could have probably i mean but i i understand the logic behind it sure and and uh, you know when you cast these things i mean the movie's not come together yet you don't know what's going to pop off entirely and in this case yeah i mean it, again from my perspective and i think many's tony he's less of an exciting character compared to Riff or Anita or Bernardo or Maria. Like they, they're, they're right. just, they're better characters in, in this story as a whole. So it's, 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 it's an unfortunate thing to be like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. over. It's you know, not as talented as this, you know, theatrically trained cast, but also he's in the part that that is not going to give him the most help compared to those either. So sure. it's like, yeah. it is what it is. In that, in that yeah. Regard. It's like when you're watching Romeo plus Juliet and you're like, you know what? John Leguizamo is really good in this movie. Yeah. 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 When I think about Romeo and Juliet, it's like, yeah, Mercutio and Tybalt. Those are the guys. Yeah, like, those those the guys. Like, um, what else about this movie? Any like favorite, like favorite musical. I mean, we talked about like, which one you know things that are good but like any like favorite standout musical numbers in this in this film that you guys have uh me? yeah go ahead yes no, no for me it's yeah it's again it's america it's, yeah, yeah it's really i really do think it's the best number in the whole movie but like that's I, that's I, one that comes to mind for me immediately as well but i really do like uh the, the recontextualized cool here i just love the way it's staged mm-hmm. and i just it's just you know the way where they're they're on that platform that has very inconvenient or in some cases conveniently <laughs> placed holes that they can they can dangle over I just right yeah. <laughs> these guys are very gym, they're g- gymnastic friendly yeah <laughs> yes yeah for uh for me like i agree with you guys as far as those are really good numbers the one i was maybe the most curious about was the tonight uh the quintet like the the whole thing before the rumble where it has every single cast member essentially singing mm-hmm. uh because i i really wanted to see how that would come together if there's an argument to be made for why this movie deserves to be at least nominated for best editing, I think it's because of that sequence, because you have okay. so many different parts and the the way the music has to come together and unite all of them, the way they're kind of crisscrossing with each other. There's a part where like Maria like goes to a subway while the, the jets are coming around the corner and stuff like yeah. that. Like, it's just, it's, it's a, I really like that song for one thing. I love the, the rhythm of it, the music in it and just seeing, you know, America obviously has so much life in it, but that sequence also, it too has like a lot of just life of what this version of the city of the West side uh, is supposed to look like. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I really, that's a, it's a great, it's a great number. Uh, question for you guys. Um, was there something that, that you guys thought that maybe the original did better than this one? That the original did better. Mm-hmm. Um my default answer is yes. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what that is exactly. <laughs> yeah, and this is not a gotcha. It's more just like you know we're, we're very praiseworthy of this of the Spielberg Spielberg I, version. Kind I do curious. think, even though I I love the way this looks, and like I said, it looks better than ninety percent musicals. Yeah, most <laughs> films and most musicals. Sure. I I do think that you know the colors of the original. Sure. Um, especially yeah. especially on like when they're like on fire. There's a shot uh, in the original where they they have like a bunch of clothes hanging from the fire escape, and all the clothes are like different colors. Oh those, yeah, yeah. Those things like look so good to me, but that's just you know 
that's true of all movies. Well, there's so many movies from from you know the good old days that just look so much better than now. Everything is like dark and muddy and yeah. There's a yeah. there's there was no color correction back then. They just yes. shot, yeah. And so yeah. movies. For, I I just watched um the red shoes. Uh, I got the Criterion 4K, which I was really excited about. And it's like yeah. good lord, colors wonderful. <laughs> so like it's a, yeah. One of the standout things about West Side Story is the fact that yes, it is a a very lively and vibrant film, and it has you know just bright primary color usage mm-hmm, that really mm-hmm. plays well and so you know we've seen spielberg do his musical now it's why i want to see spike lee do a musical because he's a guy that gets that also oh. he, he knows how to use colors in his film uh regardless of what year it is um but but yeah in the original i completely agree with chris there is a there is a very specific look that yeah it's key to the 50s and 60s as far as films go that could utilize you know big colors like that and put it on a you know a huge 70 miller presentation of a movie or what have you and yeah. really stands out where here you have commands he's doing his thing and as much as i appreciate what he's knocking out here there's just something you can't you can't in the same way that like crystal crystal school can't recreate the look uh that slocum gave to um raiders and the original indiana jones movies you can't you can't recreate a certain kind of sure. aesthetic that you get from a movie that from that age despite the attempts from sewer to make a film that seems akin to 50s and 60s kind of filmmaking it, it's still you know it's still a modern movie mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a detriment but i mean there's a, a certain quality you just can't reproduce sure yeah i hear you are we wrapping up because i've got two things i've tried to think of if there's anything okay. else in my mind but it, go for it it would, would uh just again another shout out to the to the cinematography um the way that we like and view fighting in movies and how it's clear and you can see things Again, great job from the team here, choreography, and also the cinematographers and director, I guess, uh, West Side Story. It's very clean. You can see everything visually. I know that the first one, you can see everything visually as well. But just the fact that they're just like, let's just shoot these things in wide, allow you to be immersed in this. But then also, not just shooting it in wide, but allowing the city to be a part of uh, the the scene as well. I mean, again, I'm thinking back to like the America song. But I just really appreciate that that they didn't, like, there are a few cuts interior and whatever else too, but I, I just really love that it was the 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 scale of it. The I don't know, I don't want to call it epicness of it, but there certainly is like a grandeur to it that allowed me to really be immersed in the the songs and the singing and also again the dancing. And so kudos to the choreography and also the the cinematography. Um well shot really, really explains it. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, I was gonna say like, it feels like it's in the real world and not yeah. on a on a soundstage, and and you know that that I really like. I also really liked how the violence in this movie, in this version, feels more real. Yeah, like you actually can buy that people are getting hurt and like there are people beating each other with bats and chains and stuff. Whereas in the original, like there's a moment where like someone like kicks his foot at someone's face and it's like nowhere near them, but they fly <laughs> away. And it's like, all right, like yeah. I get why it looks like that back then, but I, I did like how the, like the brutality actually comes through more here. Sure. You actually like these people really want to kill each other. You actually buy into that. Whereas in the original, it's like absolutely no one will get hurt in the original. They're, they're, right. you know, they're just spinning around again. I hate doing this, but I, I, I feel like I'm constantly like saying the original is bad, but I feel like I have to constantly <laughs> give a, I have to give a disclaimer so people don't, you know, throw me out of the movie lovers club. The original is a great movie. I'm not saying the, the original is bad. I'm just saying, I appreciate yeah, it's, it. It's the kind of thing. 
yeah, it's the kind of thing where you know you can have this film. This film clearly has like a reverence for the original, but it you know it's making a movie in 2021 that's tackling this material, and you're going right. to do that differently. That means like yeah. you know the acting style is different in 2021 than it was in 1961. the The way the ca- the way you can use your camera is vastly different from you know that age, and sure. so the results are going to have a feel that is more contemporary and whether or not you appreciate that more, or you find that to be a more favorable thing. It doesn't dismiss, it doesn't diminish, you know, what a previous film does. That's why I don't, that's why I'm not against remakes. I'm just against bad movies. Like it's, sure, yeah, it's yeah. like, there's, you know, it's perfectly acceptable for me to see like new takes on the same material. If you do it well, that's a plus. If you, if you do it poorly on either an original movie or a remake, that's bad. I mean, right. that's, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> so it's, you know, complimenting one thing doesn't take away from another. I can I can like both Birdman and Boyhood in the same year. It's not going to kill me. Like, no, you can't. <laughs> um, and then my last question, which is a two-parter. Um, I'm wearing your cardigan, by the way. Uh, good, good. Yeah. Uh, but first question is, um, is Ansel Elgort actually running or is his character running in West Side Story? And how would you rate his running? His, his running style? Yes. On a scale from what? From Tom Cruise to Tom Cruise being the best runner, and then like Steven Skull being the worst runner. <laughs> no, but kind of just more of like whatever, whatever scale you might want. But I was like, is that how Tony runs, or is that how Ansel Elgort runs? And I can't really tell. Uh, so I'm curious your thoughts because I thought it was like this is very poor running. What pinpoint the scene where he's running to me? I'm trying to picture this. I, there, there's a couple of them. Um, I. I obviously like when he's like going after Chino and maybe like when he's running away from the fight, but there's like another scene too, where I was like, he, he runs like he's like goofy. And then I, I just couldn't tell. And so I would have rated it. Like if Tom Cruise is like five, uh, I would say like, this is like a two and a half. Well, you know, people, people ran differently back then. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. It was, Chris, you know, they had, yes. di- they, had, they had different like footwear and stuff. You know, they, you run different in the 50s. True. Yeah, you run of, course, of course. And he's, he's coming out of prison too. So, I mean, he has to yeah, run. There's has not to... a lot of running in prison. You yeah. Know? He's standing still. So he he's to... like, he, he has to relearn. It's like muscle memory. He has to slowly. Oh, relearn. It's, like, okay. it's like the matrix where he's like, why do my eyes hurt? It's because you never use them. It's like, <laughs> why, why am I running so goofy? It's because you haven't ran in a few years. That's why. This is a, okay. Great point. You've answered it for me then. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I'm glad. <laughs> Under underrated runner Will Smith. Uh, we don't oh, call weird. enough attention to the fact that he's a great runner because, for one thing, Michael Bay shot him in slow motion running, and he can really, you know, Tom Cruise. You know what he looks like? He looks like a fucking wind up doll. Yeah. Will Smith, you've seen full motion and slow motion. You know he has skill. Where, like, uh, what scene are you thinking of? Like where Bad Boys, the scene that made oh, a movie Bad star. Boys. Yes, of course. Okay, yeah, yeah. Don't ever say I never. Uh, uh, what is it? Looked out for you? Did anything for you? Yeah. Wasn't there for you. Don't ever say I wasn't yeah, there, for there for you. He runs a lot in uh, Enemy of the State. Too. Oh, yeah. I mean, in a bathrobe, no less. Yeah, too. he's <laughs> in a bathrobe and he's in his underwear. He's running around. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. That's not easy. That we, Tom Cruise yeah. always in like tactical gear. He has nice shoes. Like he can do everything he wants. To. That's a good point. Yeah. He, he's always he's like, prime for he, running. Will Smith's always like, I'm coming halfway out of the bathroom, but suddenly the bad guy's on my tail. Like, I mean, it's. Although <laughs> in that first mission show. possible, he's having dinner and then he's running in, in you know, dress shoes. So. He That's kind of hard. He was like, was Ridge, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> let me make Why sure was I have second my, team there? Let me make sure I have my gum ready. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for answering uh, this week's edition of Out Now with Our Name Runs. This should be more of a segment. <laughs> the, the running. <laughs> Any other thoughts on West Side Story before we wrap up? Let's rate it. Let's do it then. Okay. Uh, Chris, on this show, we determine uh, our rating based on when people should see this movie. 
So West Side Story is currently playing in theaters and IMAX, if I'm not mistaken. When would you say people should go and see this movie? Uh, go right now because it's not doing well at the box office and it's making me depressed because it's just more confirmation that uh, if your movie doesn't have Spider-Man in it, no one is going to go see it. Mm. Or Spider-Man or Ryan Reynolds, apparently. That's all people <laughs> That's all people want now at the movie. And again, I, you know, there are, there are whole uh, things to consider here. You know, we are mm-hmm. still very much in the middle of a pandemic. So I, I completely understand if you yeah. do not feel comfortable going to a movie theater. But if you feel comfortable going to a movie theater and you've got your booster and all that good stuff, please go see this because I, I'm not one of those sanctity of, of the theater or experienced people because uh, where I live, uh, New Jersey, close to Philadelphia, uh, the theater actual experience is awful because people do not shut up or put yeah. their phones away. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I get that you, if you want to, you'd rather wait to stream it. I, I completely get that, but sure. this movie looks so good on the big screen. Like I know people are like, I gotta see things with special effects. Well, consider this movie, one big special effect because uh, the, the see those musical numbers those those wide shots on a big screen is yeah. is, is truly uh, breathtaking. So again, if you're comfortable going to the theater, please go see this as soon as possible because it's just making me very sad that it's not doing well. <laughs> the fact that there probably is a ton of CG that people don't realize makes it probably one of the best special effects of the year. Yeah. To be honest, mm-hmm. yeah. Abe, how about you? Not not too much different. Uh, where it's safe, where you feel safe, please go see this in a theater. Um, it's worth it. This is again a spectacle event kind of thing. Like we talked about Dune. Dune was like fucking amazing. You should definitely see that in like IMAX. But for movies like this, where it's like, yeah, large screen, great sound. The opening where somebody's whistling, I was like, why is some fucker whistling behind me? <laughs> and it was because the sound design is really well done. So I apologize for me getting upset at nobody in yeah, the background. Those poor kids you yelled at. I know. Yeah, I was like, I know that you guys are excited to see this. Uh, but you know, there's no need to like whistle. And I was like, oh no, it's just because there's like one channel in like the back that they got their last laugh though, because they saw you blubbering outside the theater <laughs> when you were done. Was not doing that. But yeah, Aaron, what about you? I agree. I think the movie uh, definitely should silence children. But also, I think you should see this movie any chance you can if you feel comfortable and all that, because it is it's the kind of thing uh, that you want to experience on a big screen. That's 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 yeah it's west side story (laughs) this is this is one of those kind events uh kind of films that you need to like watch it need to but like it's perfectly suitable for a big screen and like the best way to watch this movie and yeah spider-man may not be in this thing but i'm pretty sure ant-man was in every frame of this movie so make sure if you want to see superheroes to see this movie because this is the chance to do it i mean 20th century is owned by by disney right yeah yeah well there's a post-credit scene where ant-man he pushes the book i I left yeah (laughs) so he he stands up and he's like it was me whistling at the beginning (laughs) (laughs) that'd be great it was a stark whistle too that's why it's so loud Mm. (laughs) <laughs> all right that's enough silliness there uh we've talked about west side story and we all recommend it highly and for good reason so yeah good i i <laughs> i went i wasn't necessarily like hoping for somebody to be negative on west side story but at the same time it's like this movie's just great so why not yeah. talk about all the great things about it didn't know what to expect left uh really uh really liking it all right well let's uh move on now let's get to abe what uh what time is it here Aaron, is that for a quick game here And again, the Zoom thing is getting it out, so you have to send me a copy of that. Record it separately. I'll send yeah. it to you. Aaron, I've got a quick game for you guys. It's yeah. called Who Tweeted? Chris and Aaron, you guys are both prolific tweeters. This is where I'm going to read a tweet related to any Spielberg movie or even Spielberg himself. 
and you can buzz in if you think that it is you or Aaron that tweeted. Huh. So just buzz uh, in with your name if you think you I, know who the the tweet belongs to. And I thought we were gonna have to like guess anyone on Twitter. I was, I was gonna guess no, like that's Pont- crazy. I was gonna guess like Pontiff X, the Pope's account, tweeted this out. <laughs> that's uh oh, the smoke is black. <laughs> um, all right. So again, uh, here are some tweets for the game. Who tweeted? First one here. Love the Bo Burnham special, but when he revealed he was only 29 going on 30, I withered away into a skeleton like the guy at the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I have to make a sound. That was me. I tweeted that. Yes, that was Jesus. you, Chris. Yeah, well, Jesus you, Christ. I, you, I did not realize he was so young. And then when it's revealed, I was like, holy shit, is he really this young? And I am, I'm 30, I don't know how old I am. I'm 38, I think. So so when he when he said he was that young, I was I was disturbed. Blown away. I, mean, I was just like, this is upsetting to me because yeah. I've done nothing with my life. And he's uh, he, he's a megastar. Yeah. yeah, he's a megastar. He's, he's, he's going to win an Academy Award for like best original song or something. <laughs> uh, the next one here. As long as I'm not getting any hook is actually good takes, I'll manage. Aaron. Aaron. That sounds like me. <laughs> that is you. <laughs> the next one here. I'm curious who I was responding to on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the next one here. If you're already talking about what could be nominated for the Oscar next year, you should be forced into the boo box from the movie Hook. Aaron? Aaron? Is that Chris? That is Chris. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that was me. Yeah. Anything that's going to be like miserable or negative is going to be it's, it's like, just, just like any tweet that sounds like the person tweeting it hates everything and their lives. That's going to be me. That's so going to be Chris. Yeah, it's just a heads up. Uh, well, the next one here. If you ever want to see journalists run like they're being chased by the gallum I misheard in Jurassic Park, check out the TIFF press lounge at lunch when the sandwiches get wheeled in. I don't know. Uh, Aaron. Aaron. Is that Chris again? That is also Chris. Okay. Really? I don't remember tweeting that. Man. <laughs> I am prolific. You were right. <laughs> uh, the next one here. Really cool how when I Google Steven Spielberg Jurassic Park interview, everything that comes up is an interview with Trevor O about Jurassic World. And by really cool, I mean, I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's gotta be made because again, just yeah. misery, just wall to wall misery. <laughs> that uh, was definitely you. And yeah, now that I, I read to... that tweet and hear the context of like what you're saying about yourself, like I get it. Yeah. But seriously, yeah, that's yeah. really annoying when I'm looking for <laughs> I'm looking for Jurassic Park stuff and everything is Jurassic World. Like, look, those are very they're not even the same title. Don't give me this shit. <laughs> Google is like, oh, I think he's looking for Jurassic. I'll just fill in the rest myself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm not. No, I hate it. All right. Yeah. Next one here. Curiosity. Does anyone love Indiana Jones 4 but hate Tintin? Aaron? Aaron. Is it me? That is you. Okay. <laughs> Good job. Uh, that next one here. Call me crazy, but I never watched Jurassic Park and thought, that T-Rex means it's an, an origin story. <laughs> That is me. That is yeah. me because the new Jurassic World, again, uh, Colin Trevorrow was giving interviews and he was like, this is going to tell you where the T-Rex came from. I'm like, I don't need to fucking know where she came Like, She's a clone. That's it. it. Came That's from all an I egg. Need. Yeah, I don't need a, like a flat. And also, I know like, DNA story told us everything we need to know. Also, he doesn't seem to understand how cloning works because like in his mind, the T-Rex remembers 
what? being a T-Rex mil- like 75 million years ago. To be fair, we don't know that. We don't know that they, they don't remember. I, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Who knows what goes in the mind of a clone T-Rex? <laughs> when, when, when Robert Duvall from The Sixth Day explains to me how their brains work, then I will know for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe I'm being too harsh on Jurassic World. I hope that's a huge part of it. I hope a huge part of it is the morality of this based off their past experiences of 65 million years ago. And BD Wong comes in with a great sweater, as always. (laughs) And it just like has this full on monologue. And then like Chris Pratt makes a dumb joke and Bryce Dallas Howard shoots him in the face or something. I also hope that they have like the scene, the cut scene where he actually goes to the T-Rex. They put like a cerebro, like Professor X cerebro type thing over the T-Rex's head. And then it like just we just flash back to like the Cretaceous. That's period. definitely what we need. We need the, all of them. We need all of them to tap into a cerebro device. <laughs> and BD Wong just like it flashes back to the present and BD Wong just has tears in his eyes from watching all the trauma. All right. The next I here. understand now that he kills all the dinosaurs. <laughs> I was a bad guy, but I'm a good guy now. Um this year, Adam McKay made a better film than Inaritu, Russell, Howard, Zemeckis, Mendes, Spielberg, Del Toro, Demi, and Crow. Hashtag the big short. God, did I say that? Aaron, is it me? <laughs> it is you, Aaron. <laughs> All of them? I guess so. What's that year? That's yeah. That yeah, must have been like 2012. That's 15. That's, oh, 15. that's 2015. Uh, the next one here. Funny how Lincoln for production design can be considered an upset. Aaron. Aaron? Is that me again? That is you. Yes. It won. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I called it. Yeah. I got Next that one, one on my on my poll. <laughs> Next one here. Is there a specific reason why Ben Mendelssohn is wearing huge false teeth in ready in Ready Player One? Did I miss something? I think that's me. I could be wrong. I'm gonna say it's me. Buzz. Yes. <laughs> it's me. It is you, Chris. All right. I just don't know why he's wearing giant teeth in that movie. It's very distracting. And why does things. he have his password right on his uh, on his like you know station? Because he's a he's a loser. It's like Terry yeah. Smith, uh, you know, Terry, <laughs> Ty, and I mean, he has the teeth teeth because <laughs> Ty Sheridan has huge lips. So he's like, I got to counter this guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Rude. Dude. <laughs> It's, not rude. it's pointing out the actual feature. Like, does he not? Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Okay. Did I say anything bad about it? The visor in, for his Cyclops really, you know, mutes his lips. That's probably why. Uh, next one here. Folks have the audacity to jump here uh, in here and slander the BFG, a sweet, harmless movie, while Ready Player One is an absolute dreck with no redeeming qualities. The nerve. Well, that's Chris. It's got to be me because I, I, uh, yeah, I hate uh, Ready Player One. It's my least favorite Spielberg movie. I actually think I actually think it is his worst movie. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> right. Uh, that was uh, that was Chris. Uh, the next one here. It's been a long time since Munich, so it's great to see Daniel Craig finally be great again outside a couple of Bond movies. Aaron, me, Aaron. That is you. That was for Logan Lucky. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a few more here. Give me less of people emulating Spielberg style and more actual Spielberg. Me. Yes, Chris, that also, was you. Yeah. Also, I'm going to make my tweets private after this show because <laughs> I just feel very self-conscious now. <laughs> I never actually think of people actually reading my tweets. I'm just like, I'm just going to fire these off into the ether. But now that Abe's, now the, I know, Abe's the one guy that does it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Now that I know there's one person reading my tweets. I'm going to have to delete them all. I'm sorry. Uh, a couple more. Uh, a lost, uh, a lot of Lost World Jurassic Park three rewatches comparisons happening. While both are bad, at least three wasn't directed by Spielberg. Chris, 
I don't think that's that is me. not Chris. It's Chris me? for the steal. <laughs> Chris, you got that one. It's it's Aaron. Yeah. Oh, oh, what a twist! I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> read, read that again. A lot of Lost World slash Jurassic Park three rewatches and comparisons happening. While both are bad, at least three wasn't directed by Spielberg. Okay. <laughs> Last one here. Spoilers. Steven Spielberg made a well-acted, well-crafted movie again. The beard is at it again. That maniac. Aaron, me? Yes. That was for Bridge of Spies. Yeah. That, that, that. <laughs> uh, that was the end of Who Tweeted. Aaron, you won that game. But Chris, great fight. Great fight. Nine to six. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. You got on the board. That means you get to come back to the show eventually. So that's all. That's always what. That's always what okay. helps. Right. So, so many people. I look forward to not being show. able to play that game again because you've now made your account private. Yeah, it's, it's to delete the whole account. So no, we 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 double we double. We go to Letterbox. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Read full reviews. Going to have to go off the grid and <laughs> completely. All right. Well, thanks for that game, Abe. You're welcome. Let's move on to some at now feedback. 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 This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page. Facebook.com slash out now podcast. We asked a number of questions to the listeners and they gave us some answers. And uh, yeah, Chris, feel free to jump in with any answers you might have as we go through some of these questions here. Yeah. First question is, are there any classic musicals you'd like to see receive a modern update and who should direct? Chris writes Cabaret directed by Taika Waititi. What an interesting choice. To be clear, that was not me. Chris. Yeah, not yeah. No, no, that was, <laughs> that was Chris Cleland. Yeah, friend yes. of the show. <laughs> um. How about Scorsese does New York, New York again? <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> it's just tries it again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we talked about this on the Wes Anderson pod, but I'd love to see Wes Anderson direct a musical. I don't know which musical. He should direct Annie. There you go. Annie with Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hard knock life. Um, anything from you, Chris? I don't know if I have any that I want to be remade, but I do think Wes Anderson directing any musical would. It just seems like I'm surprised that actually even hasn't happened yet because it just mm-hmm. seems like it should have happened by now. But so sooner or later, he's got to get around. To he's that. waiting for but, Spielberg age to do it. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so 30 more years. Yeah. All right. Next one. What are your favorite musical romances? Ruben writes, there are so many, but Moulin Rouge, The Beauty and the Beast, the Greatest Showman, and The King and I. And once again, Chris, not this Chris, writes, High Society, Walk the Line, and Euro- Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of, of Ice, uh, The Story of Fire Saga. I was going to say Ice and Fire. <laughs> um, yeah, yes, I love it, he writes. Also, The Lure. Hmm. If I, I would say uh, my favorite musical move. What is it? Musical romance? Is that yeah, what like romance, yeah, musical, musical. musical romances. Yeah. My favorite would be between P.T. Barnum and the circus in The Greatest Showman. He's in love with the circus. And yeah. uh, it's a great, great romance right there. He loves elephants and wearing that top hat. That's mm-hmm. you can't beat that. And I, uh, I hear it's the greatest show. It is. <laughs> you know who also loved uh, circuses, but didn't get a musical number? John Hammond. Look at the mom, look at the fleas, mommy. Look at the fleas. Well, when they <laughs> when they clone him for Jurassic World Dominion, <laughs> and he'll finally get his big show stopping. There we go. Where he explains why I once was a dinosaur. Yeah, he spared no expense on that one. Favorite yeah. <laughs> uh, musical romances. Um, 
I can't think of anything off the top of my head. So I'll answer later. You're you're big on Aladdin and Jasmine, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> One of the best animated musicals ever. It's like, I guess. Um, the next question. What are some of your favorite musical performances overall? Just anything, anything at all. Uh, I would uh, answer uh, Johnny Depp's Winnie Todd. I thought that he was actually pretty good in that role. Musical performances. Uh, I really liked the Annette puppet from Annette. That yes. would, that would oh, the, the little puppet. That's, yes. That was a really good performance from that puppet. Mm-hmm. I mean, we started talking about Bo Burnham earlier, this. but Bo Burnham in, in Inside is all fantastic. I'm sorry, Aaron, I cut you off. No, I was, I was, I was thinking about the Annette thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, like he got some classics in there, right? Like Julie Andrews has like a couple, like at this point. Never so, heard of her. Um, or you know, what's his name from uh, Tevia from uh, Fiddler on the Roof? Like that's a that's a great. Oh performance. yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying not to think of like too many modern ones, but I mean, mm-hmm. like, like I don't like like you McGregor is like like he seems like he's underrated at this point for Moulin Rouge. I think he's really great in Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Um, all right. I mean, I guess if you're talking about classics, yeah, sure. I mean, a lot of those old classics, like Yul Brenner. Sure. He doesn't yeah. really he doesn't really sing a lot in it, but you know, um Roy Scheider in uh All That Jazz? Yes. Oh, I think I say Jaws the Musical. Yes, <laughs> Jaws the Musical. <laughs> but that that is a phenomenal performance. Oh yeah, it's, that uh, jazz. it's spectacular. Yeah, so yeah. that would that would actually be my my that and the the Annette puppet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what are some great breakout performances that came from musicals? Ruben writes Jennifer Hudson in Dreamgirls. Interesting. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, I guess that was her giant breakout because she had lost American Idol and then she was just like, I mean, she I'm got gonna, an Oscar. Yeah. So. I'm going to prove you guys wrong. <laughs> By the way, favorite, favorite, favorite musical performances, uh, Jesse Plemons <laughs> at the end of, uh, in, uh, in, um, Thinking Oklahoma at the end of, uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah. Um, let me think here. Great breakout performances from musicals. I mean, I I would have to go contemporary with like, you know, we talked about Mike, Mike Feist, and just like he was really good. But yeah, I don't know. Um it's one to think about. Yeah. If you have anything, feel free to just shout out randomly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one here. What are some great films focused on racial tension? Hmm. In the heat of the night. Do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like ninety percent of, of Spike Lee's movies. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Crimson Tide. There's a good argument for that, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that, but that actually yeah. is an interesting pick. Yeah. Um, okay. My mind's still going to be focused on that the next time I watch Crimson Tide too. Now, <laughs> like, oh, James Gandolfini yeah. really hates this guy. Uh, all right. <laughs> last question. Right I was here. thinking of, but yeah, I guess him too. <laughs> He's more gung-ho about it. Uh, last question we have here. Uh, now that Spielberg has made the musical he's always wanted to make, what should he do next after his upcoming semi-autobiography, The Fablemans? What what should Spielberg do next as far he's as He's already what we conquered do? animation. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, Todd Lieben, now friend of the show, he writes a straight-up horror movie. That'd be fun. And Luke Thompson, friend of the show, writes E.T. 2. Which is hilarious because like, E.T. is kind of a horror movie. So. <laughs> I mean, I get scared whenever those space guys come in and E.T. turns white. 
And then at the end of E.T., you're blubbering like a mess walking out of the theater. (laughs) Wish you might be a Mexican fly. Um, Hmm. Chris, any thoughts on what Spielberg should do next? I would really love him to do uh, like a a Western because he has not really done like an old, like I'm talking like a a real Western, like a Western, not just like movies that have Western sensibilities, like, Mm -hmm. like, you know. Old, you know john ford standing in the doorway western I, you know, he shouldn't he shouldn't do james mangold secretly a western yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like and yeah you know, i feel like that's like the one genre he really hasn't done and that would be great if he did i mean, I mean i'm sure he has yeah. there are other genres he hasn't done i'll he sign up on that yeah, who, who, would, who, would, who would you put in that would you put his guy hanks in there or would you go somewhere else man that would be great you should you know tom hanks in a western by steven mm-hmm. spielberg would be very good yeah Guess who? Guess who his partner is in that movie? Mark Rylance. In a hat. Oh, wow. He could be like. He would the be gun- great as he'd, he'd be, be like, like the the, the governor. Villain. Yeah, he'd be like yeah. The, yeah. The, like the bet the corrupt governor. Yeah, he's like, like wants the railroad to. He could be like, <laughs> displace people. Exactly. There's, yeah. always, there's always something about a railroad. <laughs> yeah, this kind of real, yeah. railroad and land. Yeah, he's a he's a land burial. Yeah. Does yeah. he get Daniel Day Lewis to come out of retirement? See that would be amazing. Oh my but god! Only in like a, but he's only in like one. He's like an old drunk at the bar, and, he and he's nothing yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's an extended cameo from Daniel yeah. Day he's Day. like in one scene. No, but make, like, but uh, Rylance is the, the evil governor. But Hank should be like the sheriff of Nottingham. He should be. He should also be a villain. Like I love it. I love he, it. Yeah. Like the main yeah. villain, and Rylance is like you know the head guy on top of it. But he's like the main villain. Then you get some <laughs> some 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 young upstart that plays the the real hero of the yeah. film. Richard Guys, Ziegler. we're gonna make this Spielberg use Western. It's gonna be we're gonna pitch this to him. It's gonna I be dig great. It. Yeah. yeah. Rubber Zemeckis is producing, so there's like a there's like a, a train pushing a, a car, a DeLorean in the background. Yeah. Now, Zemeckis will just be applauding in the audience kindly, being like, <laughs> oh man, I should have done one of these. Uh all right, that's enough silliness. Yeah. <laughs> that was that feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Uh, and that is gonna do it for this week's episode about now Theron and Abe. Uh, you can find more of my work, my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing reviews for We Live Entertainment. I have Blu-ray reviews over at wisablue.com, and I'm occasionally doing some variety stuff. I'm also on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag Officer Krupke deserved his own song. <laughs> uh, Chris Evangelista, where can people find more of your work online? Uh- uh, I am at slashum.com. I am on Twitter at C Evangelista 413. And check out my podcast, 21st Century Spielberg. I'm going to finally have a new episode after a brief hiatus because there's a new Spielberg movie. So uh, look for that somewhat soon. Before the before the new year. That's my plan. Oh, all right. Very yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you can find all the other episodes of Out Now Theron and Name on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HHWLOD. Feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had about West Side Story. Anything else we discussed on this podcast at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Right on our Facebook wall, Facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for joining us this thank week. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. For sure. Not- but. Mm-hmm. I meant that. I, every time I say that, it sounds like I'm just saying, but I really <laughs> did mean it. <laughs> Please feel free to tweet out that John Mulaney take. It's you. <laughs> but I uh, know. Glad to have you on here. Glad to have you on the show. And uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Next week, we do, we do, in fact, have Spider Man No Way Home on the way. Uh, so that will be, uh, we'll, we'll see where, where the multiverse or whatever the hell happens in that movie. But until then, until next time, so long and goodbye.